Well, last week we started a series on rest. I did not know two weeks prior, a week or two prior to that when I'm prepping, I'm trying to prep for these series a couple of weeks in advance because, you know, it was small, kind of small time way off in China somewhere else three weeks ago. But now it's right in our front yard, all this craziness and everything going on. This, wherever you stand on the spectrum um, of, of this is an overreach or this needs to be done, um, that, that really doesn't matter. What God commands us that we are to be people at rest. People that, that, uh, that exemplify the person and work of Jesus in our life. Is he the Prince of Peace? Yes, he is. And we are to model that in our lives. So last week, we looked at the first place we see rest in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 2, the back-to-back rest statements are, were about God. So now we'll go one book farther to the book of Exodus and honor the Word of God, learn something new from the infallible Word of God about our lives today. We're in Exodus 31, 12 through 18 in your Bibles or your apps. Let me set this up. The people of, children, uh, people of God have left Egypt sitting at Mount Sinai. God has come down in a magnificent view. The mountain is on fire. Got partially way up. Joshua and Moses and the 70 elders go. They wait and then God calls to Moses And he goes up by himself. This is the very end of the communication between God and Moses right before they go down and find the golden calf. So this is the very end of the communication right before Exodus 32. Verse 12. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel saying, Surely my Sabbaths you will keep, you shall keep. For it shall be a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you, who sets you apart, who makes you holy through the blood of Jesus is what we proclaim. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done six days, but on the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual, ongoing covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever, forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And when he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the conversation is ending. He gave Moses the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God, the very finger of God. So let's look at this. This is the end of a long dialogue, the end of long communication. Now remember... The two tablets of stone are written with the finger of God. The law Moses is pinning. All through here, we read all the previous chapters before. That's the picture right there. So Moses has the the tablets with the finger of God written and the infallible law, the word of God, correct, that he has written down. And this is the picture here. So let's look at this. Verse 13. 
speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbath shall be kept, for it is a sign, it is an emblem, it's the evidence between me and you throughout your generations. What is the sign? Why do we do this rest thing one day a week and work six? Why do we say, God, I don't have to work seven days a week. You will supply everything I need. This is just the physical work, but it's a much bigger picture of salvation. Why do I need to do this? That you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy and sets you apart. I'm the God who makes you holy and sets you apart. Why do we do this resting? Why is it that in storms and in difficulties and when all people are saying this, we say, no, God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. I'm saved, I'm sanctified, and my life is in his hands. He set me apart and I will stay there. He has saved me and I stay there in this place of restful salvation. I'm the God who sanctifies you, number one on your notes. Rest It's the evidence of your salvation. Rest for God's people right here proved that he was the one who took them out of Egypt. Did they get to rest in Egypt? No. They were what in Egypt? Slaves. And in fact, when he first came in and said, hey, we're going to get, we're gonna, look, Pharaoh, let my people go. He said, not only am I not going to let your people go, I'm going to take away their straw and they still have to produce the same amount of bricks. There's even less rest than they had before. They're going to be under a stronger yoke now. It's going to be even worse for them. And God says, every week you will proclaim that I have set you free from that worldly system. And you proclaim my salvation for you out of that place into the promised land with rest. It will be the physical evidence every week to you, to your children, and to the rest of the world that you have been sanctified and set apart by me, the Holy One. Amen? So rest is not a small thing. It is a big deal. In fact, it is one of your greatest witnesses. It is one of the most powerful things you will teach to your children. I don't have the market cornered on this one. I'm, we go, go, go. Let's, I don't want to. I'm learning that it is a big deal that I learn to rest, whether it's physical once a week. That's the small time. That's the easy. But six, seven days a week, I am at a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state of rest. Amen? That we live in a place of rest because it proclaims our salvation every day. We're, we're saved. We are saved for eternity. So we proclaim it all the time. This is what Hebrews there says, and it's mentioning, it's talking about these guys. So listen to Hebrews 11, 1 and 2. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We've heard that one before. We know that one. For by it, because the elders trusted in the living God, for by it, the elders obtained a what? A good what? 
Ted, oh, that sounds like witnessing and talking and proclaiming who, who you are to the rest of the world. Is that right? A good what? A good testimony. It is through this faith and trust in God that he has done this work. Now I can have a good testimony. I want to have a good testimony. Right? I don't have to have the biggest church in the world. I don't have to have this and that. What I do need before the living God is not to bring reproach to my Savior's name and have a good testimony in here, in my home, and in the world. Amen? Is that a successful life? Hey, the Bible says we're a vapor. That's a well-lived vapor. (laughs) That's a well-lived vapor on this earth. I'll take it. Let me tell you a little story, show you a picture here. Look at this picture right here. This is, Lord forgive me, I'm going to butcher this name. Sandhu, Sadhu Sandar Singh. He is or was called the most famous convert in India at the time of his conversion. And he's also called one of the greatest evangelists to India. He was born in 1889 and he died in 1929. Died at 40 years old. He was converted at 16 to Christianity, was baptized publicly, kind of became an enemy of the Hindus, you know, when you baptize publicly like that, and began barefoot to walk through the Himalayan mountains, proclaiming the gospel to the Hindus, the Buddhists, the sheiks. Not only that, he was a soft-spoken man who just strolled around and talked about the gospel. In fact, they said he never had an agenda for the day. He would get up and start walking in prayer and meditation. The Lord would just lead him who and where and what to say. It's a true story. I documented I looked at three different ways. No one knows exactly where he died or when. He just died somewhere in the Himalayan mountains, like the Lord took him like Moses. Not only was he, did he have influence in the Himalaya mountains, but his communication became so well known in his preaching that he was invited to preach in Europe and even as far away as America. And this picture, next one, was actually taken in the United States of just a few years before his death. Actually, I think the year of his death, right before his 40th birthday. But none of that is what's amazing about this story. When he was 16 years old during his conversion, he was most influenced at a Christian leprosy house in India, in northern India. Now, if you remember almost 100 years ago, leprosy was a major problem still. We had a big, huge, in Louisiana, we had a giant leprosy center where it held thousands of people. So that's where he was influenced, and his Christian life started right there at a leprosy home, okay? It's not necessarily a place you want to visit a lot. But this man, any time he wasn't traveling the paths of the Himalaya mountains or traveling, guess where he was? At the leprosy house. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that doesn't seem like a very restful place to me. That seems like a stressful place. But the evidence of his salvation and his rest didn't matter where he was. You can go buy his books right now on Amazon. He wrote several books before he died, and you can go buy them. And he talks about rest a lot. His rest 
and his evidence of his salvation was any time he was off, he would stay at the Christian leper's house in Sabatha in northern India. Now that right there is a man who learned how to rest and have the evidence of salvation in his life. Let's keep looking here. Verse 14 of Exodus 31. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for, for it is holy to you. Anyone who profanes, discredits, belittles, makes light of, it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. That seems so difficult for us to swallow in our finite mind that someone that didn't rest would be put to death. But this is the reason. If you refused to acknowledge the salvation of God, it was a problem with God. If you refused to obey his plan and his edict of salvation over his people, you were cut off. It is a big deal when God provides salvation. And we don't deserve anything after that, but says, I want you to acknowledge and worship that salvation and make it holy like this. Number two on your notes. Rest in God's grace apart from works. Wait a minute, Stephen. This is about doing something. This is about not doing something. Is that correct? This is about stopping your life for that day and resting not on your works, but on his supply for six days, right? And you're just going to rest in his goodness and his plans. This is a picture of the grace of God contrary to the sin of Egypt or the sin of the world. That's what this is a picture of. It's a picture of the grace of God. You're not, you're going to keep it. It's going to be holy to you. Whoever thinks light of the way of salvation in which he's provided, that's who's cut off. Now we're talking about the gospel, aren't we? We're talking, he, he's talking to his people in, in Israel, in Egypt, that was in Egypt, in Israel. He's saying, this is going to be how you proclaim the gospel. This is going to be how you live under my, the Old Testament law. And for us, we honor the cross a greater than anything, right? The people that will live separated from God their entire life, separated in hell for eternity, will be the people who say, the cross, I don't give much care or thought about it. That is the truth. Amen? That is the picture right here. We rely on his grace. We thank God for the cross. It's not apart from works. Works will never do it for you, Egypt. It is the great uh, Israel. It is the grace of God. And this is proclaimed in Colossians chapter 2. This is 13 through 17. And you being dead in your trespasses. That was Egypt. That was before salvation. And the uncircumcision of your flesh. He has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespass, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. That's the law. And he has taken it out of the way, 
having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or in regarding of festivals or in new moons or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is what? It's Jesus. You got it. All right, let's keep looking here. We're back in Exodus 31. Let's look at 16. Verse 16. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. God's people are always to reflect rest. Don't think of reflecting um, a, half, a holy day. That right? The Bible says you don't have to do that. They're always supposed to reflect his rest in every generation, throughout all the generations, plural. Okay, I was thinking about this. So at all all times, you always have a minimum of three generations that are always living, right? And we can say, okay, you got boomers, the older generation, you've got Gen Xers, mine, and you've got uh, millennials. And then the new group coming up is the alphas, I believe. Or we could just break it up and say 25 and under, 50 to 25 and or yeah, 25 to 50 and 50 and over. Now, those are the seasons of life, right? Those people are in drastic different seasons. Did anyone wake up and feed a baby last night? Only a few. That's a season. Y'all don't want to do that because you already did. That season's over. So look, look, listen to the picture here. Each season you're in, You have a responsibility to that generation next to you and the generation that you influence to teach and proclaim his rest. You're responsible for it. Now, it looks different for me than it may for you. If you are older, you are going to love the younger, even though they're knuckleheads sometimes, even though they may not know, they can't even quote John 3.16, you are going to love them and support them. Even when Pastor Stephen doesn't do something right or the children's ministry, you're going to do that because God's called you to be a model of rest, right? Now, if you're 0 to 25, even though you know everything already, you are going... (laughs) You are going to, all, all the grandparents and grandparents are like, oh, Corona is nothing. Rebellious children, now that'll kill you. I'm, that was not, take that off of the, the recording. <laughs> Your job for rest is even though you may disagree and they don't know how to work their phone straight, you are going to honor them as unto the Lord to teach honor and rest, right? No, no one under 25 will look at me in the eye right now. <laughs> they will. You have been called by God to, be the, to have the evidence of your, your um, salvation, to understand the grace of God apart from works, and number three on your notes, rest is the responsibility. You have a responsibility of each generation. We must never put down this responsibility. This is a lifelong responsibility. 
It will change according to your season. It will. But don't ever put down the responsibility of proclaiming the grace of God in you, which has given you rest. And you will go both ways and in your generation being responsible to teach this. You want to know why there's chaos in the world? Because they don't do this. You want to know why there's infighting in homes? Because they don't do this. Why the divorce rate is so high, not in the world, in the church. If you've been divorced, God will cover you with his grace. But this has to be priority. We have to teach that it is our responsibility before the living God to have rest in our hearts and minds, to be someone who pursues peace both ways. Why in the world would there be divisions in the house of God generationally? Only, and we don't have it here. I'm, I'm serious. Everyone loves each other and gets along and young and old. In, in my men's group, I've got as old as, as, as almost 70 and as young as 17. Everyone loves each other and gets along because of the word of God. We are to be people who are highly responsible thinking about rest, thinking about the state of peace in our relationships, above all with God. That is what we're called to do. It's very clear. I'm going to show you a couple of scriptures in Psalms. Real quick. Psalms 22, 30 and 31. A posterity, the children, shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. You will tell them about rest and about the things of God. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this. Let me show you one more. Psalm 78, 4. It's not on your notes. It's right here. Psalm 78, 4. We will not what? Hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works. That is a specific statement to the delivery of Egypt. That's what that is. That is very specific to the delivery, his wonderful works that he has done. We are going to teach rest because it's our responsibility. Now, let me ask you a question. We teach math. We teach sports. And I'm not knocking any of these things. We teach discipline and we need to teach hard work. Absolutely. Are you teaching rest? This would be my encouragement to all of us. Let's make it a priority in our life. Because God said it's a priority for his people. We must teach it. It must be a daily priority. We, you're, you're doing it right now. You're teaching your children right now just by being here. Don't think this is a light thing, even if it was hard to get here. You're teaching rest. You're teaching dependence on the living God. Amen? You're teaching worship of the king. You're teaching that this is to be honored publicly and privately. Amen? That's right. You're teaching it. Oh, you teach all the time with every action, with every word, with the, time, the way you spend your time. That'll teach. Ask your kids. I know. They tell me all the time, even if I don't want to know. Let me show you a great responsibility thing. I got so many one. This, this is a, if you're new with this, this is a wonderful congregation. They, they're, they're, they model Christianity to me sometimes. I, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating. This is the memory verse tracker in our children's ministry. The memory verse tracker. I stole my daughter's. This is Zoe's. I just, she doesn't even know I have it. 
During your time at Foundation Church, you will have the opportunity to memorize 50, 50 Bible verses. You can use this memory verse tracker to learn your verses and keep track of which ones you have learned. They are organized by tens, by sets of tens, but you can memorize them in whatever order you'd like. When you are ready to recite a verse, when they got it memorized, they go into children's ministry, they recite a verse, uh, and they are given for each verse you, that you memorize and recite, your teacher will give you an earned memory tag. It looks like a little dog tag. Fifty. Fifty. And they have to know the, um, the reference. I, I can't reference 50 scriptures. I could paraphrase 50, but I don't think I can reference 50. That's high responsibility right there. You see it? That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. I'm going to tell you, um, Lisa and Jamie, I'm not going to make them stand. They were here on Friday for hours, hours cleaning every single surface of this church, every light switch and everything else. Lisa has done this for a while, and Jamie's been helping her. For hours and hours and hours, this thing it was sanitized, I mean, up and down. That's some high responsibility. Praise God. We thank God for that. Give them a hand. So what does this look like in our generation as, as I'm closing here? Get that video ready. What does this look like? What, what does it look like for this? I saw it in our culture, in our society. No, it was not in the world with anyone lost or, or anyone in government. It was in the house of God as it usually is. So two weeks ago, a song was written. A few weeks, just less. It may have been less than two weeks ago. A song was written by Carrie Job, her husband, and uh, I think Furtick. It is, if you love them or don't like them, don't worry about that. The song is so biblically accurate, it's excellent. And it takes two scriptures. The priestly blessing from Numbers 6, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. That scripture. And it takes Exodus 34. Just a couple chapters past this, and it mushes them together in the most, one of those beautiful songs I have ever heard, especially concerning the culture and what's going on in the world. I, cannot, I, I can't watch any more news, it's just too negative. I, I don't want, I want to know what's going on. I'm not knocking anyone, but I'm going to tell you, I think, okay, Lord, how am I supposed to respond with rest and faith in this generation, Right? What's my responsibility right now? When you walk out of this door, what's your responsibility? How, everyone's asking. Everyone's talking. How am I supposed to talk? How am I supposed to believe? Do I, do I go, this is ridiculous and stupid? Da, 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 da. Don't do that. Am I, am I, yes, and we got to do this. Da, da, da. Lord, what do you want from me? What, are the, what does the Lord require of you, right? I saw it. I saw it on YouTube. There is a good thing on YouTube. I couldn't believe it. It's because the worship pastor sent it, leader sent it to me. That's why I saw it. For the first four minutes of this song, I want you to sit, reflect, and listen. And I'm going to come up. We're going to stand up and enter into worship. I ended early because we need to know and act in. It's really frustrating when you, you know you have responsibility, but you don't know what it is, right? I don't know exactly how I'm supposed to do this. We're going to do it right now together, and we're going to look at this and see it and understand it. So I want you to reflect these first two minutes. You probably saw this because it's all over YouTube, but we're going to do it as a corporate group together. So go ahead and play that video. This will be the last 
15 minutes of our service. We got together with Pastor Chris and Pastor Stephen on Thursday to just go in after the presence of God and try to pen lyric and melody. And after a couple of hours, it just felt like the presence of God just stopped everything. And we wrote a song called The Blessing. And it's straight from scripture. And it's the heart of the Father over us as his kids. And we're gonna sing it this morning if that's okay. And this is a blessing over you and your family and your children. So just receive this this morning. Just put your hands out in front of you. Turn your heart to a place of just receiving the blessing of heaven from God himself over you this morning. Oh uh -huh. 
ready to hear almost word for word Exodus 34. Let us enter into what God has said and proclaim what He has said in all of this. So worship with this. Let's worship together. May His favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We receive it, Lord. You are not a man that you should lie. This is your word. Your word. Eternal to us. We now know how to rest, how to have responsibility. And that responsibility is to obey and live in the word of the living God. Let us talk like you talk. Think like you think. Proclaim what you told us to proclaim. Oh, yes, Lord. Let it fill our heart and our minds with the rest and peace of God so that we can receive and go out into a dying world and proclaim. It is the word of the Lord. 
beautiful people. Oh, yes, God, your salvation is so great, so great, so great. Lord, let us proclaim this rest, this salvation. Let us give a reason for this great and wonderful salvation. His name is Jesus. 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 I'm going to tell you a video is good, but it ain't nothing like the live. And we didn't have this song put together. You know, I can't lead worship. This team worked and put together so we could do this song live one time as our body. That's their body. Praise God for it. But we got a body right here, the body of Christ. So with the last few minutes left, I want to worship to this song live. It is our proclamation. It is the way that we're going to walk out. And I don't care what edict, what's going to happen. Look, we don't know what's happening tomorrow. It could get better. It could get worse. It could be horrible. I I don't know. And I don't want to scare you. It could be the start of the end times. I don't know. It could be 100 years from now. Let me tell you what we are proclaimed to do. To rest in the living God. Amen? No matter what our age or our generation is. No matter what your physical state is, your marriage state. No matter, I got little bitty kids. That's a lot of pressure. Or you don't have that. I don't know what they're going to grow up in. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to teach. The rest of the living God. Amen? Come on. Now we get to sing it together. Come on, let's worship the King.
and his reward is with him, right? Amen is the way it ends. Let it be so. We agree is the most literal translation. We agree. We're going out with that this morning. Let's all come to the Lord. Let's surrender. Lift your hands. Lord, we surrender to you. We surrender to your rest, to the completed work of Jesus Christ. Before we leave, if there's anyone in here who does not know Jesus as Savior, as Lord and Savior, and you do not know his rest, you don't sleep well, you don't know the rest of the living God. If there's anyone like that, as soon as I close this service, you come up here. I'll be here. As soon as I close, you come up here. Lord, we, we, we receive your rest. We receive your rest, Lord. We will not be anxious anymore. It is the work of the enemy to fill us with fear and anxiety. We will not be a people who are anxious and stressed and always on the go and never enough time. We will never say, oh, we're just so busy, we don't know what to do. You have provided rest for us. It is contrary to the way your people speak. And we remove it from our language. We remove it from our thoughts. Lord, rip it out of us. Even generations that have been putting us, uh, put on us of stress and anxiety and fear, remove it from us, God. Freedom in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. We receive it by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the power of God. And now we go out in rest, and we've got a word in our, in our mouth. we got a word in our heart. Oh, yes, it's amen. Oh, yes, it's amen. Your goodness to a thousand generations and the peace of God upon us. In Jesus' mighty name. And we all thanked him and said amen and amen. Come on. And amen and amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great and wonderful day.